Welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. And I'm Karen. We are a mother-daughter duo of mediums, medical intuitives, psychics, and energy healers offering personal sessions to clients all over the world. And this is our podcast. Coffee with the Sarlows is a platform to share the remarkable experiences of our clients and the messages that are channeled for them from the spirit world. These stories will make you laugh, some will make you cry, and some are certain to be an absolute butt-kicking with love. Our intent for this podcast is to gently and kindly challenge your beliefs, grow your empathy, and help you find pieces of your own self in each one of these individual stories. Before we jump into today's show, we have a few notes for our listeners. Karen and I have personal practices channeling for local and international clients. If the stories in these shows is something you'd like to experience, you can request your own personal session through our website, bysarlo.com. We also have gift certificates available if you wish to gift this experience to someone anywhere in the world. We have a second podcast series called Sips of Sanity. This series is your emotional and intuitive intelligence toolkit. We pick one topic every month and provide you with healthy tools for critical thinking and communication. This series airs the first week of every month. The first show is free and can be found on our website, your favorite podcast platform, or YouTube. The full series can be found on patreon.com forward slash by Sarlo. Patreon is our membership portal with a ton of monthly benefits for those of you seeking to grow your emotional and intuitive intelligence. Karen has a personal blog that explores the beauty and importance of intuitive gifts. There's a question and answer segment that addresses listeners' questions. As we mentioned, you can find the complete Sips of Sanity series here, along with handy habit trackers and great reflective questions to help you get the most from the shows. We provide you with guided journeys and music to enrich that experience, and we're running an emotionally intelligent, interactive book club. And for patrons in our top tier, each month we're putting your names into a draw for a free half-hour channeling session with Karen or myself. If you're interested in joining us, head over to patreon.com forward slash by Sarlo. Now, on to the show. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning. I'm going to need the name of a cranky, um, unkind woman. Oh, I've got one ready. We're going to go with Vilma. <laughs> oh, you may, when you said that, it made it reminded me of Cruella. Yeah, that would have been a good one too. We'll <laughs> go with Vilma. Okay. And um, her son. So I need a man's name. Emilio. Emilio is my client and he's calling to ask about a soul contract. So he's a person who has listened to the show and understands a little bit about the contracts can do. And he tells me that at the beginning. Hmm. And he says, I really would like to understand the relationship between myself and my mother. Oh. Yeah. And I said, okay. I said, Doug, give me a couple of minutes and let me go read the contract. And I, he goes, you, I know. He says, you're just going to put your head down or something, right? And he goes, it's, it's, funny, it's funny to watch you and to see what you're going to do. And so he literally, it's like he's watching me on a TV screen. <laughs> and so... The guides came in and said, okay, we have a lot of information um, about the contract between him and his mom. This isn't the first time that they've done lifetimes together, but we're really going to focus just on this one. But he's curious about it. He's not going to ask you, but you can confirm it for him. So I did. I told him that, and he said that would that was fine, that he wanted to know if it was a carryover. He was understanding a little bit more about karma. 
Okay, so carry over from lifetime to lifetime for yeah. fresh listeners. Yeah, and he would always say, what did I ever do in a past lifetime to deserve a mother like you? Vilma. <laughs> so that kind of sets the whole tone, doesn't it? Eh? Yeah. And he says that to me, and then he has a laugh. And he goes, I can remember being a kid walking around the house, shaking my head, saying, what did I ever do to deserve a mother like you? Okay, so Clarity, for just a second here, you heard this or I heard it to this question and then posed it back to him as an affirmation to say, is this correct? Yes. Cool. And he's telling me the story about doing it when he's like five and six years old. <laughs> and when, now I know this is funny, but it's not. It, well, it's heartbreaking, but also wise. Exactly. And he says to me, do you ever see like what happens like in context to stuff like that, Karen? And I said, I do. And All he, day or a day? <laughs> yeah. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And I said, Emilio, I'm sorry. I see what your mom's response is when you do something like that. I said, I can see where it is a physical response of hitting you where it is a slap or or where it is verbal abuse towards you that's terrible. And he goes, yeah. And I said, and in spite of that, I see that you continue to do it your entire life to her. And it doesn't matter to what degree she hurts you or makes you suffer. And he goes, yes. And sometimes I want to know, why can't I keep my mouth shut? Why do I keep asking her and telling her these things? It's just like it's so deep within me that I can't curb my response to her. So I said, okay, let's do a deep dive into the contract between the two of you then. And the first thing that the spirit guides say is that he ends up in it. Now I'm jumping in times, but it'll all make sense, I hope. And if it doesn't, Kelly, I know you'll question me. Um, I said to him, you, you end up watching your mom's behaviors all through your life. You become an incredible observer. And he goes, well, that would be damn true. And I said, so much so that you end up loving the career she's taken and some of the qualities that she does have that she uses in that career and you follow her. And he goes, spot on. And I said, so you end, you will have that quality. So I'm going to give an example. She's a perfectionist and she's very hardworking and she's controlling. So to a degree in her profession, that can play out very well. Mm-hmm. She has a ton of responsibility and um, for other people's health. So as a result of that, She can be quite good at times, and I'm going to say at times because it doesn't always pan out well, right? But she can be very good at her job in certain circumstances or with certain personalities where she clicks in that she has people pleasers who like it, that she can take control for them. So she does very well. So he sees these qualities and this career. He sees how it can work well, and he goes... I'm going to make an effort to be as organized as her, to be able to take control when I need to, but I have to figure out by watching her 
not to take control in a negative way or a hurtful way, because I see where my mom can do that as well. And I don't want to be like her in that way. So he has to take a quality and he has to separate where it's healthy and unhealthy. And I told him that and he went, oh man, Karen, he says, it's so true. He says, I am in the very same career as my mom and it is because of her that I went into this. And you're correct. I do try very hard in my career to be very much like her in certain regards. And then in other regards, I hit a brick wall because I refused to be like her. And I said, yes. I said, so don't tell me what you do. I said, because I, I want to continue with that. The guides want to affirm something for you. And the guide said, well, what he chooses to do is to educate himself in a number of ways so that he doesn't become like his mom in the ways that are unhealthy for himself, for his own partner, for his own children, and for his own career and his own patients or clients. I don't know what you call them. So um, it's, it's where he's seeking that education by reading. He goes to therapy. He listens to podcasts. He talks with people that are professionals. And I don't just mean in therapy. I mean other professionals in his own field. And he asks them how they problem solve some of the very problems that his mom is facing, but is dealing with in her own way of exerting more control. Instead of learning, become a better listener, ask a different kind of question. So he figures out how to step out of some of the ways that she behaves to find healthier options and be a healthier person. One of the absolute most beautiful things he learns by talking to some other people, and actually they're not the other professionals, they're just his regular friends, I'll call them, is that he learns about checking in. And you and I teach it. I mean, we could go on and on about doing check-ins, but he actually finds ways to do check-ins with his friends because he watches them parent. Hmm. He watches his friends love each other. He sees couples and just friend upon friend. I don't just mean it has to be two married people. He even watches his two guy friends check in with each other. He watches a wife of one of the friends check in with one person in the group and ask a different kind of question. And he really absorbs what they're doing. He notices their tone of voice, their speed, like their you know sense of urgency, he notices the quality of the questions and how they can change in different relationships and in different situations. And he just, he decides that he's going to uh, build upon that toolkit. I'm trying to find a little word there for it, but uh, the guides helped me, thank God. So he's got this gorgeous toolkit that he keeps building by observing so many different people and finding teachers everywhere. Mm-hmm. instead of thinking that if I just go to therapy, that's the only person that's going to give me my tools. Right. So then, Cal, I'm going to skip to another one here in that he becomes more and more aware of how his mom speaks to his dad. Mm. Now, his parents are still married. They've been married for a very long time, decades. And what he does is 
is he observes how his mom controls, abuses in a variety of ways, um, his own father. And he then goes through different periods of times where he's really mad at her. He hates her. And he feels really sorry for his dad. So he really cozies up to his dad, their best buddies. His dad and him go and do all these things together. And he thinks, geez, without me, how would my dad ever cope with all of my mom's shit? And then one day when he's looking at all his friends and he sees how people can deal with conflict in different ways, and then he goes home and he sees his mom and dad, he looks at his dad and he thinks, well, why hasn't my dad asked someone or gone somewhere or observed something, read something, booked an appointment with somebody to figure out how to handle this differently? What's, what's up with my dad? And his entire approach and vision of his father completely crumbles. Mm-hmm. And this is devastating for him. So his guides are standing there saying, well, part of the contract then between him and his mom is for him to observe not just his mom and her behavior and judging it harshly, but that that person floats that ship because of the enablers. And sometimes you have a Titanic. You have a pretty big ship because of one person. One key person in their life that keeps that boat floating. And while he's angry with his mom about it, he's starting to understand that his dad has a huge impact on it. And so so, I'm not saying that his vision of his mom all of a sudden heals and gets better, but he starts to understand how can she get better if somebody's constantly feeding that behavior where she believes it's what she needs to do. So in your analogy, how is the boat floating? Who is keeping it floating? Oh, okay. Um, The husband is keeping the boat floating because he's enabling it. He's the water that supports it. His enabling actions, behaviors, everything that he does um, allows her to continue to maintain her behavior. He doesn't confront her. Or if he does, it's temporary, and then he goes right back to giving in again. Thank you for asking that. Hmm? Uh, Yeah, because I think you could take this analogy in in different directions. Yeah. Yeah, okay, thank you. I would see this as a sinking ship on both of their faults. I agree with you. And to a large degree, I think the perfectionist controller is the one who keeps the boat floating because the enabler won't stand up to take a stance, make a decision, follow through. They're the ones who just deflect and defer. And so the weight of the relationship or the family unit ends up on the perfectionist or the controller's back because the enabler really isn't a partner. They're just the yes person. And I think both scenarios happen and both are extremely unhealthy. I'm not advocating for one over the other or justifying the positions. You've done a beautiful job of explaining that. The guides move into explaining that to him about what he's going through and what his contract then is by, with his mother in terms of that he's watching this. Mm. 
and that what he's doing in this lifetime is watching his mom's behavior because he emulates her to a degree, but he's trying to do it to that line so that he doesn't become her. So he extrapolates the healthiness out of what she does, but doesn't go in the overboard. And that was my next point. So you're just, thank you, you're leading into it. Let's call it what it is. I'm skipping ahead. Okay. And what he learns to do with his own wife is that he heads straight into therapy all on his own. Oh, Emilio? Emilio goes into therapy. Even before he he meets his wife, he goes into therapy. And then when he get after he gets married, he stays in it. And he says to his wife that that's his insurance policy for his marriage. Oh my God, I love it. And he laughs. He says to me, God, Karen, he says, that is exactly the term I use, that my, my therapist is my insurance policy. He says, I even go out the door and make the joke that I'm going to see my insurance policy and make sure that I'm, you know, uh, still dotting the line and, and staying. How does he say it to his wife that he's staying behind the dotted line? Meaning that I'm not going to go over and become my mother without having someone else hold me accountable and teaching me how not to be that person. Because so often we think our, our partner's going to hold us to that line and be our therapist and our wife or husband well, or partner. Yeah, and I also think that we naively assume that we're going to react in kind or yeah. kindly to when our partner does hold us accountable. And in fact, a lot of people throw temper tantrums once the partner has held them accountable, ask, or pardon me, doing what has been asked of them. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we don't like that. Yeah, we shoot the messenger. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and then it spills into every other aspect of the marriage, of the relationship. You, you don't get to compartmentalize that, even though you might think you do. Mm-hmm. That would be you your can't... ego if you think you are. Right. Sorry? I was going to say you can't give your partner the position of messenger and then shoot the messenger. <laughs> like that's an asshole move. Yes, it is an asshole move. And sometimes it's also a marriage ending mm-hmm. move too. And it doesn't mean that it happens all in one moment. But what's that expression? It's a nail in the coffin, mm-hmm. right? So um, th- this is explained to him from the spirit world saying that the contract that exists there is that because he sees his parents and he learns to see both of their roles more accurately over time, that his behaviors and his own desires for his own behavior in his life changes. And it always pushes him to, how can I be healthier? Lovely. Yeah. So the guide said that her chaos is his birth into a health-seeking life. Love it. Yeah, it, it's um, it, it's it's sad for her and her husband, and it's sad for him in so many ways that he lives this right, mm-hmm. and then yet he decides to take all of that chaos, and he's determined that he's not going to create it for himself, whichever wife he has, which however many children, if they come with a partner or they're his biological, 
he just decides I am not bringing this forth to my patients, to my friends, to complete strangers. I am just not going to be this person. But he doesn't just say it. He does every single action he can think of and works like a bugger <laughs> to, be, to be living that life instead of just the words and saying he's not going to and then actually becoming his mom or his dad or both. Mm-hmm. Because some people do. They become one or the other parent or they flip-flop and they become both parents, mm-hmm. right? In all of their own chaos. So the spirit guides were, were explaining that relationship between him and his mom had originated in prior lifetimes and that this was a carryover into this lifetime to finish. So I said to the guides, was she the mom still and was he the son again? Did they do it exactly the same or did they change any of the roles? And the guide said that they had changed the roles, that in other lifetimes they had been husband and wife. And that he had been his father. And I said, well, do I tell him that? And he goes, if he asks, sure. So um, he did end up asking me at the end of the session if I could say any more about the past lives. And I said, well, they did mention this, so I will bring it up then, that you had been married to her and that you had been the husband. And he went, do you mean to tell me that I behaved the way my own dad is behaving? And I, Or I was her. And I said, no, you were your dad. And he went, okay. And then you can see him um, processing. And then he goes, okay, I accept that. And I went, what do you mean? And he went, I accept that I enabled her and that I got so sick of it that I decided to come into another life and that I was going to do it right this time. And he says, holy cow, Karen, am I ever proud of myself? Mm, Nice. Yeah. And I said, okay. I said, how do you feel about your dad now, Emilio? And he goes, I don't know. He says, honestly, Karen, I can't process it all that, that fast. He goes, currently, I feel heartbroken about my dad. And he goes, because I know other things about him where he wanted to leave at different times and he didn't um, to get healthy and he never, he never did it. And he goes, but they're still alive and they're only in their 60s. He says, so the story isn't over, is it? And he goes, maybe I'll call another time and ask you about the contract more about what it is between my dad and I. Mm-hmm. And if I'm actually having an effect on my own father as a grown man. Well, I think it's neat that he ended up at one point identifying with his dad and wanting to comfort him. And and that makes a lot of sense given what came through about the past lives that he would have an innate and intuitive empathy for his dad's position because he's been there. He's literally done it. And he may be healing a piece of himself by tending to his dad in those moments, um, giving his dad what he couldn't give himself in that lifetime. But Mm -hmm. then ultimately in this lifetime, understanding a healthier boundary Mm -hmm. and being able to go, okay, I've identified with that role. I've empathized with it. Now I have to do better for both of us. And that's why we say it's a process, right? You're not supposed to get it right the first time. You're not supposed to detach immediately from the parent and not go into the parentified role and not empathize with them and just go, okay, something needs to be fixed better. We have to experience both sides to really live an empathetic life. 
And, and that's definitely what perfectionists miss and what people pleasers do too much of. And there's your spectrum again. Mm-hmm. I love so much that you added all of that. Thanks. I was so excited when I prepared this to think about what listeners could get just out of the story. Mm-hmm. And then you, you add all of the insight to it to help them. Thanks. And I'm, I'm so, so very grateful that you do. I appreciate that. I really, I think it's obvious that I take my role seriously. I'm very much a listener for the first part of this. And I would imagine, just guessing, that from this story, listeners got an ass clenching. (laughs) If they have been through anything like this in either one of the roles the parents demonstrated or the parentified child. Um, And I'm hoping that the job that I'm taking seriously is to help you unclench your ass. Uh, you know what? I think you've done something beautiful there about saying it's an ass clenching. And I want to add also a pelvic floor cl- clenching. It is same, same. I, I do know that, but I know some of our listeners won't identify that the pelvic floor sits there um, and is connected to all of those muscles. Um, and I just, I just say it because some people won't identify that they clench their their pelvic floor, male and female. I Some people think that women have pelvic floors and men don't, by the way. I, I've just discovered that recently where okay, men... So we are saying male and female. We're leaving out they in this situation because we're just talking about anatomy. Yes, that's correct. So and Y'all I, have pelvic floors. That's what we're trying to say. And I'm trying... We're, I'm just pointing out that some men... Um, that came to came to my attention. Some that some men believed they didn't have one. Okay. Well, our educational system is failing us for sure. Oh well, we know that. But anyway, yes. So thank you for teaching us today. Mm. Okay. Well, thank you for the story, um, and also kudos to Emilio. I don't I don't know if he's a listener. He sounds like he is. He is. Um, that is a shit ton of work for one lifetime. Yeah. And we're hearing that he did at least two. Yes. Yeah. It, and you know what? I think one of the things that you're pointing out there that's beautiful, Kelly, is saying to people um, about not rushing through processes and not rushing through judgments or rushing through relationships where it's it's good, it's, it's imperative that we sit down and are kinder to ourselves and those processes about what we need to learn. That's a good Saturday morning tool. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Coffee with the Sarlows. If you enjoyed the show today, help spread the love with a like, share, or review of the podcast. See you next Saturday with a brand new episode.